absolutely appreciate you spending part of your day with us. Thanks so much for listening in. A beautiful Monday. Temperatures not bad. I noticed window washers are out next door. So, you know, that's a sign that it's not minus 35 with a wind chill minus 51 if they're out washing windows this time of the year. And it's only going to get better. That weather continues to to move in a beautiful trend. In fact, positive temperatures for next week and some moisture in the forecast, which is great for farmers as well. Well, it is your hour. We're opening up the phone lines for you. one 332 8255 Happy to talk about whatever is on your mind. Of course, STF President Samantha Beacott just on my show and the text line has been going crazy. So we are going to get to some of these texts in just a little bit. So if you've got more, if you've got, you know, if you've got a thought on what what needs to happen between, let's say, teachers in the province, or maybe you just want to weigh in on the education system in general, because so much of our talk has been focused on that. Just over a week ago, those PISA scores came out. You know how that every couple of years, they basically test students all around the world, 900,000 students or something like that, all 15 years old, and they basically put them up against one another and see how we're doing in terms of math, reading, and science. And sadly, Saskatchewan didn't do very well. When we're compared to the rest of Canada, we had some of the lowest scores. In fact, in the cases of of math and reading, we actually look like we're one year behind So students are actually one year behind where they should be at the age of 15, which is not great. So as a result of that, a lot of people have been weighing in with their thoughts on what needs to happen in the education system. And this whole teacher's bargaining is just one piece of it. All right, 1-877-332-8255. Love to know what is on your mind and what you would like to talk about. We're going to start today in Saskatoon. Ali is on the line. What is on your mind this morning, my friend? Hi. Uh, I just want to start by saying thank you to our teachers out there who are concerned about the future of our kids by less funding and also concerned about, you know, uh, everything is going up. They want to have increase in their salary. And uh, I want to say thank you to them. They are out there and protesting it. It's fine. And... Uh, what I also want to say, I just heard about uh, Ms. Samantha, about MLAs are also enjoy uh, increase of food stuff, you know, going mm-hmm. up. Their salary goes up according to that. But I just want to say there are lots of other people in province, in Canada. I'm going to talk about my province, which do not enjoy that when everything goes up. So right. that will increase as well. They probably have just increasement, whichever is standard. So there are so many other people here too, so many other entrepreneurs, and uh, there's a lot going on. We are going through one of the hard times in our modern Canadian history, probably economy-wise. So we have to do lots of things on different levels, and we all, all should be staying together and taking care of each other. And, yeah, that's, this is all I want to say. And, uh, yeah, good luck teachers out there. And uh, also, last thing I wanted to add, I heard about we are a year behind in math or science. Mm-hmm. And I do, say, do see that kids are watching a lot 
you know, internet, all that stuff, which they should be focusing more on other stuff. But I think there should be something more needs to be done in the schools or, you know, some big minds should sit together and figure something out, you know, what can, what can we do all together to make this best place to live in Canada and we should have best brains out there. Well, competing in the world from Saskatchewan. Ali, that's a, that's a great way to open up our hour. Appreciate you calling in, basically saying we need to come together. We need to recognize this is a hard time, and we need to do something about getting those scores back up so that our students are, are performing higher than, let's say, the rest of Canada. one 332 8255 Phone lines are open for you. Anything you want to talk about, we're going to go to Regina. Brian is on the line. And what are you wanting to chat about today, Brian? Good morning, Evan. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for calling in. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I, uh, unless I'm wrong, uh, a little while ago, uh, our premier said that he was going to be taking the carbon tax off of our gas bills. Um, so I looked at my gas bill on the weekend, and I noticed only half of the carbon tax was removed from the gas, from the bill. Is that because of billing cycle, do you think? Well, like I, I, you know, I'm trying to think, but I think I feel like we get our bill like mid month. So you might only realize because of that, we might only realize a part of it removed for the first billing cycle into January and then all of it gone by the second. Okay. Well, uh, I'm hopeful then. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think so. We actually did the same thing, Brian. We took a look at it. I, I, I'm kind of ashamed to say I've been talking about this for a month and a half on the air and I actually didn't know the actual number for us in, in our household. So just, just on the weekend, Jody and I took a quick look and you know, it's, it's a significant amount, that carbon tax. And of course, people have been quick to point out there's GST on top of that. So that's, that actually adds a little bit more, but. Yeah, I, I think that's the reason why. I think it's got more to do with billing cycle. I could be wrong, but I, but that's my thought on it, Brian. Well, I'll take a check next month and give you a call back. Yeah, that's right. You and I can stay in touch on this for sure. Well, thanks so much for calling in. Have a great Monday. You too. Bye. 1-877-332-8255. I've got Paul in Saskatoon next on the line. Thanks for calling in, Paul. It's the teacher strike in education that's got you uh, up and and worried this morning, Paul. Well, you know, I'm into solutions here. Let's mm-hmm. let's talk solutions. Okay, I like it. Number one, these teachers have to be able to take back control of their classrooms. They're out of control. Like I've been I've been talking to people about this, and uh, they're saying there's so much disruptions in the classroom, and all it takes is a couple of people. Wipes out that whole hour or whatever their class is all about. So they lose that. Number two, get back to basics. Get rid of all the garbage that's, you know, there's this DEI stuff or DIE stuff and whatever. Get rid of that stuff. Get back to teaching the basics. Math. Number, number reading. three. Reading. Yep. Yep. Number three is, okay, now, we're talking about math and reading and stuff like this. Like, a lot of parents, number one, you don't have the time. You're working hard to try and pay the bills and stuff like this. There's a company, and I mentioned this before, uh, FlexEd. This is a phenomenal online um, program that these kids can tap into and, and get the help that they need. This company's been around for 18 years. Mm-hmm. 
solid, solid company. And what, they, what they've done, they've actually cut their funding because they're not part of a, a school. So they've actually cut their funding. You know, Evan, give these people a call, put them online, find out what's going on with these, if you could. Please. Absolutely, Paul. You know, it's funny you say that because Flex Ed is part of, we're trying to build on the show the most robust conversation we can when it comes to the state of education in the province. And so Flex Ed is absolutely part of it. In fact, uh, in one of our production meetings last week, we have every day we have a couple of production meetings for this show. And we talk about what's a different voice we can get on, what's a different angle we can look at. And so Flex Ed is part of that. So I appreciate you bringing that up, Paul. Thanks. The the other thing, though, Paul, you know, brought up, we need to take control of the classroom. So here's an interesting thing that has happened over the last week, especially for me on this, is the phone has rung off the hook. The emails have been coming in consistently from people that work in the education system and want to talk to me, not on the air, want to talk to me off the air about the state of education as they see it, because most of them are teachers. And most of them are saying, look, I can't come on the air and do an interview with you. But what I can do is I can give you my view on the way I see it. This weekend alone, I talked to, I'm going to say over a dozen different people involved in healthcare from different angles. Each one of them brought me very consistent views in terms of what they see. So the, my reason for bringing this up, because Paul talked about we need to take control of the classroom. I talked with a couple of principals this weekend who said when it comes to the classroom complexity, right, when it comes to the challenges in the classroom, the problem is not generally The problem is not with, and I'll put this in quotes, Biff the bully, right? That kid that you and I are thinking about back in our school days that was disruptive in the classroom and would get expelled for a day here and a couple of days there. Those people exist. They absolutely exist. But when we talk about classroom complexity, most of the teachers that I've talked to, including principals, are saying It's children with very unique special needs, often with a diagnosis of something that requires a teacher's assistant to be with them, sometimes speech pathologists to weigh in and and help out. And it's that complexity and everything that comes with students like that. And And I know that the other side of this is the benefits of inclusion in the classroom and the reason this happens, because there was a time when students with diagnosis that might have put them in a specialized room or by themselves one-on-one with a teacher, there was a real argument and push to get them back into a classroom so that they benefit from social interactions with other students. But the downside is, of course, in the absence of those teachers' supports in the room, there is significant disruption. There is, in some cases, violence with children. And again, the contacts that I talked to on the weekend said class complexity and composition has less to do with Biff the bully, in quotes, and more to do with low-functioning, aggressive, special needs children. 
one 332 8255 I'm going to take a break. The phone lines are lit up, so we've got lots of people. I think Danielle is maybe next on my line, but we've got uh, we've got a few people lined up here. So looking forward to continuing the conversation about whatever is on your mind this morning. one 332 8255 More with you next on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, another nice day in the province. In fact, this is just the promise of better things to come. Warm weather, mild temperatures, plus temperatures. Yes, plus temperatures within the next week or so in our province. And we've got phone lines wide open for you. Phone and text at one 332 8255 like to hear what is on the top of your mind this morning, and I think it's safe to say education, teachers bargaining. <laughs> I don't know that we've seen much else. We had one quick chat on the carbon tax coming off our bills, but other than that, it's been teachers bargaining. Dal in Saskatoon says, I've learned lots through your interviews, the teacher strike. Going forward, it's best to come from the bargaining table. Too much drama, spinning words and facts, no need for any more media platforms to push what seems like a partly hidden agenda. Too bad kids aren't their main priority. Let's get back to the bargaining table and talk there like adults. one 332 8255 All right, Danielle has been hanging on here on the phone from Moose Jaw. And Danielle, your concern is curriculum in the schools, correct? Yes. yes. I've, well, I am from out of province. I'm from Nova Scotia, and I moved to Saskatchewan probably around the best time to explain, you know, where we're behind a year here. Um, when I moved here, it seemed like I, you know, all the courses that I'd done in grade 10, I was now repeating again in a grade 12 and also with some grade 11 and, you know, how they can take a grade 11 class and split it into two, whereas when I you know, went in Nova Scotia, it was one class, you know, one grade 11 class and one grade 12 class. I just, I don't understand how they could stretch the curriculum out so long, like three grade 12 math classes, right? So you're saying you noticed personally in yeah. in your high school, you transitioned in the middle of high school. Yeah. yeah I don't want to, I don't want to put you on the spot and out your age, but how long ago was that, Danielle? <laughs> so I moved in 2009, and I graduated in 10, 2010, mm-hmm. so a few years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, I mean, I think, you know, the the need for curriculum and comparison on yeah. how we're doing across Canada, the, these PISA scores, which we've been talking about, the low math, the low reading, we've talked with a lot of people, and the stats are out there. They've been low since 2006, Right. This isn't a new phenomenon. We have had low scores in Saskatchewan compared to the rest of the Canada for well over a decade. So I think your point about what you experienced in high school does lend itself to some challenges that we clearly have. Yeah, it's like it kind of creates, it's like Saskatchewan creates its own timeline, whereas, you know, uh, the rest of Canada might be at a different point at this timeline. But, you know, Saskatchewan's going to get there, but in their own way. Great. Appreciate you weighing in on this, Danielle. Thanks so much for calling in. one 332 8255 We're going to go to Tom and Regina next. Tom, thanks so much for hanging on. What's your thought? What's on your mind today? Well, it's a little bit about uh, these scores, okay? Every business, especially the size of education, they have, you know, if not quarterly, at least annual performance appraisals, performance reviews. The unions have negotiated that out of the contract. So no one is held accountable. 
when I, you know, I don't know how many performance reviews I've done over the years, but they were not viewed as a way to fire someone. They were viewed as a way for self-improvement. Like, what are you good at? What are you uh, weak at? Let's work on your improvements. That is no longer in our system. No accountability, nothing of that nature. I'm going to guess, though, that there are reviews that that happen in in teaching. You can't ask it. Can't ask it and use it in what in what capacity, Tom? Anything with respect to performance. You can't ask it. It's written into the contract, and they're not viewed as a way to fire someone. They're viewed as viewed as a way to improve people. But they've been gone. So we need so, we need that accountability built back in. Is your point? There's one thing that you that Beacott hasn't ever mentioned is accountability. And with these scores, it's proving, look in the mirror. That's what it's proving. Well, Tom, you know, I think, I think the accountability talk and, and uh, you know, teachers are, are part of it. There's no doubt about it. But what I've learned in the last two weeks, certainly that we've been talking about this, is there's, there seems to be accountability in a bunch of different areas. I don't know if, if you saw, um, if you read the, the paper on the weekend, there was a, a couple of editorials posted by a couple of retired school teachers. Grabbing my uh, paper here. One of them was by Verda Petrie of Regina, and she had basically talked about the accountability that she feels parents need to take into into this whole thing. Learning is not all learning is not the responsibility of government, school boards, and teachers. Parents and caregivers have a big responsibility for developing the learning and thinking skills in children. She talks about being a retired math teacher, and she gives a ton of really good examples of just meaningful ways to interact with your children, getting them to think in terms of of half, quarter, double, for example, when you're cooking or when you're walking, talking about shorter, longer, heavier, lighter. I mean, these are, you know, I I would definitely call these old school um, basics, but those foundational basics have to exist, and that's what we're talking about here. So... You know, I think the accountability thing, it's fair to say STF has a has a role in that and, and their ability to be accountable is important. There's a lot of people, and that's why this topic is so robust. We need to take another break. Al is waiting on the line. I'm hoping he can continue to be patient. We'll get to him first when we come back. Your thoughts, it's open lines for the next hour right up until 10 o'clock right here on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Well, the phone lines are still open for you. It's open lines right up until 10 o'clock this morning. And that number, of course, 1-877-332-8255. Throw that in your phone. Program it in your phone because it's a quick and easy way for you to text in or call in and weigh in on whatever we're talking about. So the text line has been going crazy, and I get busy with calls and often can't get to the text. Colleen from Buena Vista uh, text in and, and says, I think there are 27 school boards in Saskatchewan. Why do we have school boards if the teachers want the government to fix everything? When are we going to hear from the school boards? The government funds the school boards. The school boards are supposed to run the schools. It's not the government's job to decide school class size and complexity. That should be up to the school boards in collaboration with the teachers. I support the teachers in both these issues, but it's not up the gov- to the government to fix it. That's uh, Colleen from Buena Vista. So 
you know, I think I think that's a fair comment on the school boards. We've reached out. I just was texting with Brittany, who is the producer of this show. We have officially reached out to the school boards and hoping that we will hear something from them. I would love to have them on the show. And and I, I think it's fair to say they likely won't want to get into conversation about bargaining. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but they are at the bargaining table. They're part of that representative team that bargain with the, uh, like with the government and against, I don't like to use the word against the teachers, but they, they basically are at that side of the bargaining table with government. You've got teachers on the other side. And so we may not get the school boards to weigh in on some of the issues that are being discussed, but I would like to know from them, you know, their thoughts in terms of the funding that comes towards education because Back in the spring, and I talked about this last week, back in the spring when we heard the budget from the provincial government, the School Boards Association for the province did come out and say it's not enough funding to maintain the status quo of education in our province. Do they still think that way? Those changes that were made back in, was it 2009, where basically school boards couldn't customize mill rate increases to their region, to their area, based on the complexities and challenges that they saw. There was changes made to legislation where the province took that ability away from school boards. Has that handcuffed them now in a way that they're reliant on any funding they get from the province? Uh, What does that relationship look like? Does that make it so that they don't even want to speak out against the province because that's the hand that feeds them? Maybe. Not good when I speculate, better when we hear from them. And I'm hoping that we will. Again, the ask has been out for the school boards, so hopefully we will be able to get someone on the air on that this week. one 332 8255 Al has been waiting so patiently from Regina. Thanks so much for hanging on, Al. What's your thought when it comes to this whole education complex challenge that we're trying to figure out? I'm going to give you a little story here. Nice talking to you. Anyways, my wife's daughter came out of the University of Saskatchewan, top, top of the class, French and English teacher, some years back. She taught here in the community schools for three or four years. She was fed up. You know how many times in a classroom FU was? She couldn't count it a day how many times she was told that. Big class size, very disruptive. She did that for three or four years. She quit. Guess what she did? What? She moved to Europe. She's in Europe right now. Her class size, she's teaching now. This is the particular uh, school, the private school. Her uh, class size is 17 in the classroom. Guess what? She teaches 17 kids four times a day, sometimes five. That's her day. She's done. Comes to disruption. Any kid who is disruptive to her, she doesn't have to do a thing. She tells the kid, go see the principal. The principal takes care of it. That kid can be literally thrown out of the school. If it doesn't go there, it goes to to the parents, they get what? If that kid goes to the parents, the parents will probably kill that kid because they pay real big, high money for an education there. Well, I mean, obviously, they'll, uh, the word kill, I know what you're trying, you're you're proving a point now, but you you mentioned, so these are private, like you're talking about private schools, is that right, Al? It's a high-end blog, but she found that job because she searched and they're looking for French and English teachers. She got that job and tell you what, she's not coming back. She loves it there. And you know what, she's got her class, she's got her thing, she loves it. But what was here, 
Well, you know, she she comes out of university, top of the class, and she can't teach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we we heard from someone in university taking education, third-year student last week that called in and talked about the fact that given the complexity that we're seeing right now in schools in our province, uh, the, uh, the student that called in didn't feel like maybe they're even getting set up for success in terms of how they're being taught to teach which is a whole other topic on this as well. one 332 8255 Phone lines are open for you. I, I mean, we call it open lines today because th- we're not afraid to talk about something else. Education has dominated the conversation, and so be it, if that's what's on people's minds. But we are happy to have conversations about anything you want to. Let's go to Weyburn now. Dugill is on, uh, sorry, Dugull is on the line, and thanks so much for calling in. You're talking about classroom complexity is that right that's correct thanks and good morning uh so i I understand the inclusion i mean when you and i went to school they had their own special room and whatnot with their teachers and their eas and whatnot um i understand the the desire to want to do inclusion but i from what i'm hearing uh, the the way they're doing it isn't working Mm -hmm. um Maybe we need to revamp it or, you know, take a step back and, and adjust how we do it. Um, some kids aren't, obviously aren't able or capable of, of behavior. And to have the rest of the children suffer in their education because of that probably isn't a good thing. Um, for, for the ones that are kind of on the border, it can be a merit basis if, you know, if you're if you behave in the classroom, you stay in the classroom. If not, then you you go to the other classroom for a week or something until you you know choose to if you're capable choose to uh, behave in a way. Right. And now the on the other side on the on the financial end, the government end, I I would imagine that with what the teachers want is for the kids to have their support system in every classroom. Well, that probably triples the number of support workers you need as opposed to having them in one or two classrooms if, you know, every third child requires um, uh, an aide to be with them in the classroom. And, and I think that's that's part of what needs to be figured out. If we can get to a point in this province where we can sit down and sort through this, and I and I don't think the bargaining table is going to be the way to do it. I think the bargaining table is, it's actually a cumbersome way to try and sort this out. I'm, I'm a supporter of the teachers. Absolutely. I'm a supporter of figuring out the classroom complexity. Absolutely. I just can't see how it's going to work at the bargaining table. The bargaining table is a good fit for wages, for benefits. Um, and there may be room for some working condition discussion at the bargaining table, but something as big and unwieldy as classroom complexity uh, is, I just don't know how that's going to work at the bargaining table. But, and to the point that Dugull men- mentioned there, is we need to find a way that we can come together and have these talks because there's probably, the the fix is somewhere in the middle, I'm guessing. It's not as simple as loading every single classroom with a whole bunch of supports. Maybe there's a way that we can have some special needs rooms, some part-time integration in some of the schools. I know there's been a couple of texts here, and I'm just taking a quick look at the text line, where you know people are suggesting that the teachers cause this problem by 
focusing on the need for inclusion. I don't think, and and the same text talked about the teachers also were the ones that didn't want to pass or wanted to make sure that we passed all students. I don't think we can throw that at the feet of the uh, teachers. Teachers might have had some input in it, but I talk to a lot of teachers who think that we do, in some cases, need to be able to tell a student they're not passing on to the next grade. And that's that's part of the challenge that we're seeing. We're, we're moving children on to the next grade, and if you do that two or three times, you're putting a child in a classroom that they're set up to fail, especially if they don't have the supports. And so... You know, either you put the supports in the classroom and allow that to continue to happen, or in the absence of that, maybe we need to look at holding children back in some cases. I know that's a very divisive issue, but at the end of the day, so my point, though, is I don't think teachers are 100% the ones that are saying we can't fail kids, because I'm hearing from a ton of teachers that are saying we need to go back there. I think it's got a lot to do with with decisions that have been made through school boards, through provincial curriculum design, a whole bunch of different things. The same thing for moving to a more inclusive classroom. No doubt teachers had a voice in that. And again, some of the texters suggesting that, you know, the teachers were the ones that moved to this 100% inclusive um, environment that we work in now. And then at the same time are saying now we need help because it's, it's reached a crisis. I don't think that's the case. I don't think it's it's just the teachers, but you know, these are the things that I think we need to be able to work through. And again, solving the problem likely isn't going to just happen, at least not very easily, at the bargaining table. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. More calls, more of your texts as we wrap up the hour of your stories when we come back on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, we've got an open line going until 10 o'clock. Your thoughts, your comments on whatever you want to talk about at one 332 8255 So someone uh, called in earlier and was talking about the lack of accountability on the part of teachers saying they've taken away their ability to do reviews. And, you know, I was scratching my head on that. My wife's a school teacher. I, I know She's talked about sitting down with a vice principal in the school and having to lay out her professional plan, her, her expectations, her growth, or, you know, the things that she's wanting to do. A couple of texters responding now to this as well. I'll respond to the caller regarding performance reviews. Teachers complete a PGP, professional growth plan every year. Teachers sit down, speak with their principals or administrators about. There's also reviews, observations at year two and every five years after that. Also, someone texting in saying, good morning, everyone. I'd like to speak to the teacher accountability in the province. I'm a principal and a teacher. We have to send marks in for reading, writing, and math every year to the ministry for specific grades. Also accountable for departmental exams. Absolutely every outcome in the curriculum must be taught in order to prepare kids for department exams. We are uh, able to account to our divisions for reading and math scores. We've never been scrutinized to a greater level than we are now. So some of the teachers that are texting in and weighing in are saying, absolutely, we are scrutinized. We do have reviews. We do have some accountability built into to what we do. Maybe not exactly to the point that the caller was trying to make, but that's the some of the counterbalance to the discussion. All right, let's go to Darren in Saskatoon. What's your thought, Darren? You've got some some thoughts on classroom complexity. Well, I've been waiting for the whole week trying to not phone in, but, you know, at at the fear of becoming labeled another conspiracy, Kevin, growing up in a small town close to you, Evan, we learned many years ago 
common sense. So if we just sit and think for a minute, um, how telling is it that teachers will not come on the air and talk to you about what's going on? How telling is it that the depart that the uh, school boards will not come on? Our teachers are doing the best they can with what they're given, but we need to step back and think for just one minute. And at the at the risk of becoming very unpopular, this lies 100% at the ruling feet of the federal NDP party in partnership with the minority Liberal Party. The National Bank report last year released said that the ruling NDP and Liberal government brought 1.3 million, that's with an M, new immigrants to Canada. In 2022, 1.1 million, an entire province the size of Saskatchewan, is now living in our country every of the last two years. The complexity of the classroom revolves around people coming here. We love them. We want to welcome them. This is a melting pot. They can't speak our language. The children are frustrated and acting out and violent because they're not understood. And they can't, we're, we can't just throw money at teaching kids how to speak our language and how to English. Well, it is a process. Darren, you're, money. you're hitting on a chord that a lot of people have talked about, and that is how does immigration play into this? And I appreciate you emphatically uh, being able to bring that forward. I want to grab a couple more calls. We're short on time here. Let's go to Dave and Capel. You're changing the gear completely on what you want to talk about, Dave. Well, I wanted, um, I caught you earlier talking about uh, the provincial NDP wanted to uh, have the government in Saskatchewan remove the fuel tax on, yes. on gasoline. I'm opposed to that at the provincial level. Um, the provincial government has their budgets, has their expenses, and they should not be supplementing the federal government in any way, shape, or form. And we have a prime minister who's caused a horror story in gasoline prices. Let him wallow in that problem. That's his and not a provincial problem. The second thing I'd like to point out here real quick, Evan, if you'll allow me, is that the NDP party, yes, I agree with them, the provincial carbon tax should be removed on gasoline, or the carbon tax on gasoline. But the government of Saskatchewan should not be doing it. The NDP party should be getting a hold of their leader, the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, uh, the NDP guy, and instruct him to see that the carbon tax gets removed on gasoline. Not a provincial problem. That's a federal problem, and that's where it should stay. Well, we're going to continue to talk about this throughout the week. We're going to have open lines again in a couple of days, and so we'll make sure that we we get feature that in there. We're out of time. So many texts. Mel in Saskatoon, I'm not going to get to your call, but he wanted to give a shout-out to the food bank, all the workers that do incredible work in our province with food insecurity, so I want to squeeze that in. Before we say goodbye on this segment, the Roundtable of Justice is coming up next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.